Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from Coltsploitation.com and I'm joined by my co-host Martin. How's it going? Doing pretty well. We are now nearly into October. Um, by the time this episode airs, it's going to be September 28th. And right after that, we're going to be into the month of October when most normal people probably start celebrating Halloween. For us, we've already been into it for, for a whole month, but other people probably start at the beginning of October. And uh, we are currently in our fourth episode of the season of Halloween now. Um, if you remember, like we try, we we like to do series each Halloween. So our first Halloween series was, um, well, we, our actually our first Halloween was really more of a. It was like one of our like the ninth episode or something. So it was very early on in in the show, and so at that time we hadn't really cemented a formula. And I think we did um, the best the best movies to watch for Halloween. So that was our first Halloween. We didn't really do much that was special there. But then our second Halloween, we did a whole series, and we did all the Saw films. And if you remember, if you listen to that, or you've gone back and listened to it, um, we really burnt out by like the. I don't know, like fourth saw, fifth saw, something like that. It was very difficult to go through the entire saw series one by one, um, you know, as a podcast, watching them each week. That was a that was a chore. That really became a difficulty. Even though, like, we very taxing. Yeah, I mean, and I wouldn't say like I don't like the saw films in the series, and I did enjoy always going to see them, but it was just a very difficult thing to sit down each week and watch a a film that was essentially the same thing over and over again with a slightly greener tint. Yeah, yeah, changing tints and and uh, perhaps like maybe working more towards a a the I don't know current events type thing like the banking. <laughs> issues and stuff like insurance issues yeah uh so that was really difficult do you feel like as we get into our fourth episode of the season of halloween as we go through all the halloween films are you having as much of a difficulty this year doing a series going through all of the films yes and no yes and that in the fact that it's always even like if it's a franchise i really like it's always taxing to kind of just sit and watch I mean, as much as I love The Godfather, it would be taxing to sit down and like watch all three of them in a row. As much as I love Part One, and Part Two, same thing with you know Star Wars. As much as I love Star Wars films, I couldn't be one of those people that's like going to a midnight sh- you know showing where they're going to show all six movies or yeah. even the original trilogy. But mm, no, well, we do have the. Uh... I, I guess Lord the, of the Rings. You know? <laughs> I mean, I guess not, we have the fortune that we don't have to watch all these like back to back to back to back to back. That'd be it, tough. You know, I, it, you know, even still, it's kind of it's tougher. It's not as tough though with this one because at least with Halloween three, we get a nice little little break from the formula. That's true. It's it's a lot different. So that one was sort of a a refresher. 
episode, and then... And not only that, with Saw, by Saw 4, it is literally the same formula over and over. Halloween, at least with this one franchise, at least with the first film, is a unique entity on its own, and the fact that it's more of a thriller than a slasher. Second one's an unapologetic slasher. The third one is a anthology story. Something completely different. And then the fourth one, we're back to we're just back to 80 schlock slasher films. It's so, the return know. of Michael Myers. He's back. You know, it was like, you asked for him, he's back. I mean, at least, I mean, so like the Saw franchise, though, it originally its premise is unique. It wears its welcome out thin by the fourth film because it's literally, they don't do anything to innovate except like, let's try to ha- make these traps a little bit clever. Right. It's you like know. exactly the same. They just, they're really the creativity. And, co- and, you, can, and you can only take so much Costas Mandalore, you know. True. The creativity in that, in Saw, is just like, what are the traps going to be this time? You know, what are they going to do for the traps? I, uh, that was always the big thing around Halloween. It wasn't really that you were excited for s- the movie Saw because you knew what was happening. It was the traps that could potentially be different from, like, the last movie that you watched. I think I think you're right. Like, with Halloween, we have had – you have um, arcs within Halloween. So, Halloween 1 and 2 is sort of like that first arc where you have – you know, they're, they're together. Obviously, they're lumped together. They happen back to back. And um, so, that's kind of like the first arc. Then you have Halloween 3, which is sort of standoff. I call it the Tom Atkins arc. Right. The I need a drink arc. Yeah. <laughs> The, you just the one that's like the the ugly stepchild of the group. Although I I like it, and if you listen to our episode, you can tell that we also like it in different ways from the Halloween series. Or you, you know what? But more appropriate, it's the bomber jacket arc. True. Then you have uh, four and five, which are the Jamie slash Danielle Harris arc, uh, which probably some of the worst films in the in the series. As mm. and basically as we get. Further into the series, it just keeps going on a downhill you know, spiral. No, but I guess I, you probably before H two O and Resurrection, you could say that, and then after that, you could probably say you know after the remakes. Yeah. So now they're looking pretty good. I mean, four and five. I think I don't know now. Watching four, I don't know if I put H two O or four ahead. You know, when I was when we were thinking about the. Um, trying to rank the Halloween films, and I hadn't seen 4 and 5 in a while, I might say that 4 and 5 were better than H2O, and now I'm not really sure after watching 4. Um, because it has been a while since I've seen 4. Well, we can do a little comparison. Yeah. We can do a little comparison. Yeah, we're going to have And to. it's been a year since we've seen H2O. Yeah. But it's pretty, still pretty fresh in my head from last year. I remember all of the flaws that I rem- you know, that I can think of from Halloween H2O for sure. Um we can do that a little bit later in the episode, comparisons and stuff like that. Um, so with four, one thing that I r- really recall is that when I was younger, four and five were all over the airwaves for Halloween, um, probably more than one and two. And the reason for that, I think, is because the rights were very cheap. Usually so, so caught on UPN. Exactly. So any channel, if they wanted a Halloween special could just buy the rights to Halloween 4 and 5 to play it on air. And you really, I mean, I'm sure it was pretty cheap. Halloween 4 especially, you have very little editing to do for it. <laughs> because it almost is a TV movie in itself. Um, 5's a little bit, got, got a little bit more editing. 
Um, but this was all over the airwaves. And I remember as a kid, you know, I would catch it all the time. It might have been probably one of my most watched films uh, as a kid in comparison to like Halloween 1 and 2 because they just didn't, at that time, I don't feel like they got played as much. And so I remember seeing 4 and 5 so many times as a kid, just watching it over and over again. Um, and so in that sense, I have a little bit more mis- nostalgia for 4 and 5. 5 more so actually than 4. Um, but now watching it, we'll get into this a little bit as we, you know, get into the bulk of the show. Um, I think four is really not, it's not a good film at all. Um, it suffers quite a bit from multiple things and I guess we'll, we'll get into that. But what was your experience with four previously? Had you seen it a lot? Is it something that you've, you remember, recall? Um, like you, yes, I do remember always being on TV, um, like like I said, UPN. I remember always being on uh, Spike before it was Spike. I'm trying to think. What was it? TNN. Yeah, TNN. TNN. Yep. Um, they would play four and five a lot. So I do for both those films. I do have memories of seeing them. Um, but actual distinct memories, not really. Besides, you know, the god awful mask and Loomis being wacky. No, that I don't. Re- they never really stuck in my hmm. mind. And, yeah. Never been anything I really, you know, kind of sought to, you know, see, go after and see. So you haven't seen it in a while. It's been a long time. Been a long time. I would say for me too. It also. I thought you know. You know, to be honest, it's probably been like over ten years. Really, I thought I had seen Halloween Four fairly recently, but now that I think about it more and more, and I think I was equating more five to four, mm-hmm. so I was like misremembering events. Um, and I gotta say, I don't, you know, four. It it must have been a long time since I've seen it because. It was not as fresh in my mind as I thought, um, you know, and probably I've only caught like glimpses here and there of it, not watched the whole thing through, you know, recently. So well, it's a hard film for even like a 90 minute film to sit and watch. Yeah. Well, an hour and 28 minutes. It's, um, you know, it still feels fairly long. Um, it's not paced well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll, we'll get into that in a second. Um, so first, I guess we should take a break real quick. We did have a new beer that we drank before the show. We're not drinking it now because we're into our more adult phase where we need to watch our calorie count and stuff. So Blood and Black Rum <laughs> Podcast has mostly become now like blood and, um, you know. What coffee you, you got there? Yeah, you or, or uh, using a calorie counter app <laughs> podcast. But uh, uh, we did have a new beer that I got from Brown's Brewing Company, which is in Troy. Um, had them on several times. Yep. Well, I w- We've had their beers, not had them. Exactly. Be yeah, nice, we, you know. Yeah, it would be nice. You know, I know. I do know that some of Brown's Brewers do go around. They do uh, our local radio station, WEQX. It's technically not that local. It's in Vermont. But they do go around and they kind of do radio shows. Let's so. get the Davidson brothers. You want to get them on here? See see if we can do it. Invite them well, over. All we'd have to do is go up. At least with Davidson brothers, all we'd have to do is just sit in like the, Or we could just Skype s- them. Sit in the pub, you know, area. And mm. Probably, you know. There you go, recording on location yeah. at Davidson Brewery. That'd be pretty fun, actually. It would it would be tough because I can imagine like I'd have to do a lot of editing in the background to like oh, edit no, out work, all the work, all the droning voices behind. But uh, yeah, that'd be fun to do an on location, or they have a, a like a party area where we could go in and it'd be nice and quiet, and they just keep bringing us beers. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, somehow, I I think that maybe they're even a little bit bigger than than that to. <laughs> invite Blood and Black Rum podcast up to do some promotion, but 
Uh, it would be fun. We could always reach out to them and see. But Browns is in Troy, if you know, that's in the capital region, a uh, little outside of Albany, uh, Rensselaer. Might as well be. Basically, it's... It's, it's say, um, they're all lumped in the same. Well, as I say, if, if you, for those of you who aren't from the capital area, of slash, New York, slash yeah. um, the Adirondack, Southern Adirondack tier, um, the capital region is essentially the five boroughs of New York, except the capital region. So you got Albany, Troy, Schenectady, Rensselaer, and what's the fifth one? Um, this is like Staten Island. Everyone forgets Staten Island, but I don't know what you would consider the fifth one. I don't know. Essentially, that's what you know. Yeah, the whole area is Albany. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's, the five boroughs. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's all. They're all pretty much interconnected, and so Troy is sort of outside of Albany, but it does have a couple of our local breweries there. Um, Browns. Oh, I guess Green Island. Green Island. It's right across, sure. it's right across Green the Island, Hudson. Clifton Park, I guess, maybe. Latham, somewhere like that. Um, Even though they're Loudonville. Not, yeah, they're not that close, but... Um, but all in Troy, they're all connected. Like, right yeah, they are, are fairly close. Um, So you have you have a couple different breweries there in Troy. One is Brown's, as I mentioned. You have Rare Form, which is a fairly new brewery. Probably hasn't even made its way anywhere. Brown's is... Pretty fair, like the biggest brewery probably that we have in this capital region, besides perhaps um, Druthers. Which, no, they're bigger than Druthers. Yeah, no, they are. But I mean, that would be like a close second. Rare form would be like far down, far down the I was list. I say Davidson, but I guess technically Davidson is a fairly uh, close range brewery. I was going to say, probably, you know, Davidson and Adirondack, but technically. Those are probably mid tier, I would say. You know, I, I don't think they get farther, far out of New York. But well, I was I was gonna say more technically that's not a capital region. That's uh, you know, true, true. Lake George, that's so, true, and Glens Falls. And, so. and then you and then you have uh, places like um, Schmaltz, which are getting bigger, but still I would say around mid tier. So they got to be rolling in the money now that they got that Stewart's contract yeah. for their Stewart's craft IPA, <laughs> their yeah. High Cliff that we've done on here. We haven't done Mountain Brew yet. We haven't done Mountain Brew. I think I have some still. If you want to go go for it, it's out in the cupboard. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty old it's like two or three years old um yeah but uh so so from browns that we i went there the other day i was off from work and i went to browns and i have a couple growlers there so i was and normally i don't get down to troy very often it's like an hour trip down there so while i was down there doing a, a different podcast an actual a professional podcast <sighs> for for my work um I had to do a podcast down there, so I, I decided I, I would just meet for meet a friend for lunch and grab a growler. So I grabbed a growler, and I ended up grabbing the Priam King of Troy growler, which is technically a a combination brew between Browns and Rare Form. So they brewed it together, and that's why it's called the King of Troy, because you have both Troy breweries coming together to make a collaborative beer. And so this Priam is um, a blonde, I guess it's considered a dry hopped blonde ale. Um, it is fairly hoppy, very uh, light colored. And um, from what I've had, very lightly carbonated. Although my growler could maybe have been a little off. Um, maybe it wasn't poured properly. Um, but it was very lightly carbonated and and what I found is that the hops really do tend to take over in this beer, but it does have a distinctive taste to it that I think is, um, very interesting. It has sort of has like a dry tartness almost to it. Is that what did you, is that what you got from it? 
maybe sort of like a hoppy tartness. Not exactly tartness, but the, the fact that, I mean, it wasn't bad, but the fact that it was more on the flatter side, yeah. did, did I'm not going to lie, did kind of distract me from paying attention to the flavor profile. Right, yeah. So to be honest with you, it, so I wouldn't know. I and that, that might have been, you know, my bad. You probably should have gotten it on tap. And, 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 and the growler, the, well, the growler is also somewhat like it older too, so... It's definitely possible that it's on the flatter side. It's not your fault, but I mean, I imagine, to be honest with you, I'd imagine I'd like it because I like blonde ales, so. Yeah, yeah, it's like a it's like a dry hopped blonde. Um, it does have some distinctive hop notes to it. It is pretty hoppy, because yeah. I thought at first it was more of an IPA. Yep. Well, not IPA. Um, let me track that back. Pale ale Yeah. So, you know. Yep. But so. it does have that blonde characteristic of being a very lightly... Body light body Dale, um, so I thought I think it's pretty good. Um, I would definitely get it again. It's not something you know. If you remember the last time I think we had a growler on here, it was an old Dale from Browns, and oh, if it from Browns, yeah, yeah and has. that was uh, definitely okay. not our thing. Well, never again. <laughs> Raisiny and literally old tasting, and that's not Brown's fault. It's just that we don't prefer old ales. I think we both don't like dark aged fruits. Yeah. Yeah. With a big kick of alcohol. Yeah, the raisininess is really um, probably something that is a turnoff. Which is weird, because you like, you like wines. I do. And what, what are, like, old ales and strong yeah. ales, except, like, beer ch- trying to masquerade as wine? Well, that's the thing, too. I don't really love meads, either. You know, I've only had a couple, and yeah. I thought they were, eh. Yeah, I don't really love, like, those types of... And but they were, I don't think they were spiced. I think they were just, like, honey meads. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean... It's not, not really my thing, I guess, For in terms of beer. I like wine, but just that type of beer, maybe not so much. I'd be more interested in trying more meads, just to, like, get my, like, inner... It's not really, a, not really a popular thing. Common around thing around? No, yeah. I, no, I know. Oh, we should talk about it, because we both had it recently. I finally had it, but, um... We had a liqueur um, we can talk about, finally. Um, yeah, yeah. We could t- finally talk about the famed uh, Johnny Walker Blue. Yeah, we both had Johnny Walker Blue label now. I had it when I was in Canada, and you just had it recently to celebrate your phone's destruction. No, no. I, was I, it before or after? It, that was before. Oh, the Johnny Walker Blue was before. It was more to celebrate the Bills destroying the Vikings. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 At, least in, at least in my mind it was because it was great. It worked that entire day. I was getting made fun of for wearing my Josh Allen jersey. Yep. Everyone fucking destroyed. I found like a, like a giant screw from a rack so I went to go show the manager. I'm like, look, I don't know. I didn't see this. Like, you know, safety has Go show you. And a guy came up to me. He's like, hey, what'd you find? A Bills win? Nope. <laughs> oh, and then when we were still working, they had this because um, at work on Sundays when it's football season, on the monitor by the desk, they put up the football score so we can kind of watch and pay attention to it. As because yep. we don't ever get out in time to watch games most of the time, and at, and by like five minutes into the game, the Bills were already up like seventeen nothing, and I was just like, "What's that, assholes? What? What? You know?" So I was enjoying it. Anywho, Bills won, and I was at our friend's house. He was having a fire, just me, him, and his girlfriend. And he finally got a Johnny bottle of Johnny Walker Blue because he's getting married soon. And he got some money from his uh, co-workers. And he spent it on a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue. Which kind of made me mad because that was something I was going to give him for his wedding. You know, it was a yep. gift for all of us to do. And you had to fuck it up. 
So I I asked him. I go. I'm like. I want. I want you to bring me some Johnny Walker Blue and cured meats. And you know what? He, he did. <laughs> Gave me three fingers of Johnny Walker Blue and some like nice peppercorn seasoned salami. It's delightful. Three fingers is generous. I don't even think I got three fingers when I had it. Well, you're not that good of a friend. Yeah, that's why you're not the best man. Well, not even. It didn't even come from man. It came from friend's friend's okay. father. So well, he wouldn't give it that much <laughs> to you. But no, he, I because I, I was speechless. Because for those of you who don't know. Johnny Walker Blue is the top tier of Johnny Walker Scotch. It's their most expensive bottle. At, around here, it's almost, depending on the shop, could be like two twenty-five to two fifty. Um, so I, I've always wanted to try. It. I don't know about you, just more out of curiosity, like what makes this fucking thing worth that much money? Because if you remember, like five years ago, when we went to a bar. They had a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue, and we asked them how much they charge for a shot, and they said thirty-five dollars. And we were like, people actually pay that? I'm like, yep. So, after all these years, finally got to try it. I haven't had, like, Johnny Walker red or black or anything in, like, in years. Because I'm not that big of a scotch drinker. It's not something I particularly fancy. But I will say, taste-wise on this, it's nothing special. It does, as our friend said, Matt, it does taste like Johnny Walker black. But it is incredibly smooth. You know my famous, like, hard liquor face yeah. that I make? Yeah, you make a, a nice special you know, face. Yeah, a nice special uh, grimace sometimes when drinking uh, liquor. Didn't make one at all. That's how smooth it goes down. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was really smooth as well. It's just very easy drinking in general. If you like scotch, you know, yeah, absolutely. You, you'll be... I mean, you'll be, um, it's, that's dangerous. There's a huge step up from the red label, somewhat paint thinner, <laughs> um, which I can barely even drink. I mean, I love scotch, but the red label to me just tastes terrible. Oh, that's just, which you know, poor man's wanting it's, to drink. It's actually kind of funny too, because, um, the other day I was at my parents' house and they, they, my mom was doing a shot because she was sick. So she wanted to see if it would like clear out her nasal passages. So she had us do one with her. And I said, sure. And it was whiskey and they had Canadian club whiskey. So I did a shot of that and I was like, that is terrible. And they were making fun of me because I'm apparently too much of a whiskey connoisseur to drink Canadian club. And my dad was like, oh, well, you didn't like that. I mean, I have some black velvet. And I was like, no, thank you to that one either. (laughs) But they they think I'm... Two Canadian staples right there. But they think I'm like a very... Snobby. Yeah, snobby whiskey drinker. And it's just like, I literally can taste that it's not very good. It's just, you know, to do a, like a, a lone shot with. And there's mm. no flavor to yeah, it. Yeah, no except, thank you. Yeah, it's just Ugh. pure alcohol, yeah. rubbing alcohol. No thanks. But no, it was, it was, and like I said, I'm not the biggest whiskey, I'm not a whiskey connoisseur or anything like that really, you know, that can describe how, you know, all these different, like when I drink whiskey and you're like, you'll taste hints of oak and all that, you know, it's yeah. like, I get the woodiness a little yeah. bit, but other than that. I did actually get like a subtle vanilla on this, but I like, sure. you know, when you look at the label, uh, you know, like the yeah. descriptions, they list like 30 different flavors, like, yeah, I, you make When this. you have like actual, you know, like Scottish, scotch and stuff like that, you can, you can taste the, the peatiness sometimes. Like depending on different scotches that you get. You can taste peatiness to it, and you'll know it when you taste it. It has a very distinctive taste. Um, but sometimes when you have, like, those different, uh, you know, scotches in the same class, it is difficult to taste, like, the difference or, you know, get that subtle oak flavor to it. But 
Um, yeah, no, Johnny Walker Blue Label is really good, and I think that, you know, if you haven't had it, you do need to try it at least, like, once if you're a scotch drinker, because you will notice that it's, the biggest thing about it is that, yeah, maybe the taste doesn't blow you away, but it's, it is really fucking smooth. Yeah, you, yeah. like I say, you won't grimace at all. Nope. If, nope. Which I would love to know how they do it. Is it just because it's been aged even longer? Or? Maybe it just, yeah, maybe it just takes away the harshness harshness of, of whatever, you know, I don't know, oxida- oxidation or whatever. I don't know. No idea. Not, no, we're not, not a, a whiskey chemist. Yeah. <laughs> don't know. Uh, All right. Let's get into, speaking of um, drinking and whiskeys and things, we have uh, Looney Loomis in this Halloween 4, the return back. of Michael Myers. He's back, finally. Apparently for some miraculous reason which Halloween 4 doesn't really bother to explain Loomis and Michael have ma- made it out of the blast in Halloween 2 in the hospital and really like there is no much ado about it it's just like yep Michael's okay he's an invalid now y- yep and uh Dr. Loomis is okay he's just got some scars on his face yeah like, one side of his face he's got scars on and it's like no man you were in a fucking explosion it wasn't just like a you know his bed caught fire and one side of his body burned and he was in an explosion whole bu- building went up but Halloween 4 doesn't really really explain any of that it's just like yeah he's around and he's walking with a limp and uh you know he's I don't think he got that limp from the fire that's just the craziness going to the leg like- it's been, and, and technically it's been 10 years so that could just be a deterioration of him as well and who knows Donald Pleasant as a human being yeah that's true too he's, um, at this point he's just like what happened to my career I went yeah, from, yeah. Went from Rosemary's baby to this but uh yeah Halloween 4 the return of Michael Myers should really be called the return of Dr. Loomis because mm-hmm. for the most part Donald Pleasant is the main attraction in this film he you know, like in Halloween one and two, he's he's kind of flitting here and there in between scenes. In four, he is like the the way that the film is structured around him, because even Michael doesn't have that much of a presence in this film. He's here and there, and sometimes like even he's technically in a scene, but it's not really him. It's like a what you would call like a, an, an illusion or a dream sequence. But for the most part, Michael himself is really kind of absent from this film. And then also you have the the new character, Jamie, who, you know, is is sort of the unannounced Laurie's daughter sort of thing of this movie. And uh, she's really not in it that much either. She's she she gets certain scenes and the the film is sort of structured around her story but i would say that she's not really a major part of halloween 4 it's really just michael and dr loomis both returning to haddonfield one to stop the other and that's halloween 4 in a nutshell um the eternal cosmic ballet must go on that's right there's even that scene uh very early on when Loomis is at the gas station, which sort of mimics... You mean filling station. Yeah, filling station, whatever. <laughs> which sort of mimics, like, in Halloween, where Michael or where uh, Loomis goes to the gas station mm. there. And um, in this one, they have that standoff between Loomis and, and Michael, where it's like, Loomis sees Michael. He's like, stop, Michael. You don't need to do this. Take me. You don't need to go to Haddonfield. And he... And he disappears. I think he's just chasing Michael at this point because he wants the sweet release of death. 
He's just like, just like, take me. <laughs> I want to be free from this mortal Honestly, coil. Honestly, we can get our Looney Loomis over with early here because, like I said, Loomis is a huge part of Halloween 4. Um, I think Loomis is seeing Michael all over the place and 4 is really where you start to see maybe even incidentally, not really intentionally done by Dwight Little, who's the director here. Um, you, you see, start to see Loomis who's fucking losing his mind here. They really do. It ma- it makes it seem like we saw it in Halloween two a little bit where he's, he's starting to go a little crazy and grabbing cops by the scruff of the necks. You must, you must get out there. But in this Shooting one, at your trick or treaters. Yeah. In this one, I think Loomis has entirely lost it here and we're starting to see that progression. Um, which makes it even more, uh, Hilarious and sad at the same time that he hasn't lost his medical license. They're like, because they still a doctor. They, they bring up like, well, we're hoping with the moving of Michael Myers, he'll either retire or die. <laughs> it's funny too because it's like, like, wait, you mean to tell me after the you know Halloween two and he survived? Like, okay, doctor, you're okay. Um, seems you mean uh, charges for manslaughter might be being pressed against you in the murder of you know the uh, death of a. Boy who was, you know, right, <laughs> set a, you know, set a flame and pinned by a cop car that you caused. You know? I do want to see like um, <laughs> one where they go back now and they do a Halloween three Law and Order episode <laughs> <laughs> from Halloween two, where it's just Loomis on trial <laughs> for that little boy's death because nothing ever comes to that. No one, no one mentions it again in Halloween two. That's the one trial Hang 'em High McCoy lost. <laughs> Well, maybe that's why Loomis was out of commission for 10 years. And so Michael didn't really do it. Like, he did actually go on trial for that kid's murder, and they, they, they acquitted him. I know, but I mean, like, so it's like, yeah, but it's funny. Like, oh, his position's more ceremonial. What the hell does he do? Like, like come to, like, you know, like, c- ceremonial. What the hell does that mean for yeah. a doctor, you know? <laughs> well, he just, he just hopefully sh- he's he not. Just, he just shows up and goes, I'm a doctor, I'm a doctor, you know? Hopefully, yeah, they, and they just let him. <laughs> like, it's ceremonial. He can say that. He has no badge, no license. Just let him say he's a doctor. Well, it's funny, well, too, because... It would be great about that also, that Halloween 3, like, have it the process of him, like, having to apply for, like, malpractice insurance. Like, this is what your new rights are going to be. Like, Jesus Christ! Yeah, and then he fucking runs into Dr. Chalice. <laughs> <laughs> and it would be, like... Talking set, about bomber jackets. Yeah, it would, be, it would be set, like, right in between, like, right before Halloween 3's events happen. That would be great. That would be great. Somebody should do that. We should do that. Make a short film of it. It'd be a, that'd be a hit. Just talk about Miller High Life, vodka tonics, and so um, bomber we, jackets. It could be a double thing, too. We could make a short film about it, and then we could do a podcast about our short film about it, <laughs> reviewing our own short film. Um, so with Looney Loomis, though, too, it's pretty funny because in Howling 4, they really make it clear that Loomis, not only has he dedicated most of his life to trying to figure out Michael Myers as a, as a human being or now what he's considered pure evil. He's also sort of ruined his own life because he, at the beginning of the film, when they're moving Michael from a sanitarium, which politically incorrect there, we haven't (laughs) changed the title of the sanitarium yet to asylum. Um, When he's there at the sanitarium, 
he's talking to another doctor who is uh, sort of given the go-ahead to move Michael out of the sanitarium. And the doctor's like, you've been talking to me about this for 10 years. So 10 years being the timeline of events from the first Halloween up until now, 1988. And um, that's a long time for Loomis to be like just utterly focused. I mean, like every, like, every day just going like, is Michael moved yet? Yeah, my, no, my, no, no. He's Michael's in, still there in the same cell. No, yep, he's he's an invalid. Yep. Which, by the way, that fucking basement where they were keeping him has got like smoke like pouring in <laughs> from like like it's, <laughs> it's the worst <laughs> sanitarium ever. I can't imagine. Like, I, it doesn't even make sense sec- though that the, it was, say even the security guards like welcome to hell. It does make sense that it's still called a sanitarium because apparently no one maybe even knows that it exists at the Department of Health because <laughs> no one's coming in there <laughs> the, being like. Uh, looks like you got a faulty pipe here. There's steam pouring out of it in this patient's room. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's a dehumid. It's a humidifier. Oh okay. Yeah. yeah okay. Okay. Yeah. Michael's no, they- got really bad seasonal allergies, especially with the mildew. You know. Either that, or like we're secretly living in the fifties here, where you know it was just acceptable for sanitariums. Why is that not a politically correct word though i mean it's not just for like mental oh sanitarium i don't know i it's don't not, know why I, it's gone out of because i think a, it was more the connotation of what when you say sanitarium it means like it when they were like in past conditions sanitariums generally I know, but they were like, also like mainly like cause we used to have one you know no yeah i'm sure you've seen the f- pictures of the old Harvard i don't know that it's Mayfield's. technically like politically incorrect it's just that the connotation of the term was so poor that they decided like let's not use it anymore we won't, we won't call it after a that Her- after that Geraldo piece it just went <laughs> i think also because it denotes like sanity like there's no sanity yeah but like, i'm saying like it was it wasn't just for mental patients like you know like because up here exactly uh, you know the sanitary that used to be in bayfield back in the early 1900s was for like tuberculosis patients right and i and think stuff. that's why because they didn't want it to connote like to denote like sanity because mm. it could be other people could be there it's not just yeah. people who are insane it's for, you know, any sort of mental illness. So I think that's probably why. But in this sanitarium, they go with it. Which is is funny, too, because by late 80s, that has fallen out of favor. I think they were switching over to asylum. Something well, like that. It's, it's mental health clinic. <laughs> that's that's the modern mental health, you know, spa daycare, fun fat. But know. honestly, though, I am very surprised that no one was, like, deeply concerned about Loomis at this point. Like, should he be committed? Uh, This guy, you know, he's sort of the opposite of Michael Myers. So, like, Michael Myers is waiting for this one night every year, Halloween, staring at the wall, through the wall, past the wall, to this one night. Well, Loomis is, like, basically in that scenario 24-7 every single day, right? He's, He's constantly thinking, like, what if Michael does this today? Is Michael moving? Is he? Yeah, but by now he should know it. it's always Halloween. You would think, right? Because when they move him, it happens to be on Halloween. He goes, do you know what today is? Do you? It's Halloween. Yeah. He's been planning to kill, you know, his his niece that he's never seen before. I think it must be exhausting to be Dr. Loomis. Just yeah, it's exhausting. Am- yeah, it's amazing he's not dead. I know. We do see, too, in this film, he gets picked up hitchhiking. By a very relig- devoutly religious guy in a pickup truck who's got stickers that say things like, uh, I believe in the, I believe the Bible and, uh, something else. I can't, something about God and his license plate is just amen. Which I was trying to figure out what his little tree scent was in there. Cause it was a red. It's, uh, 
Yeah, what, what would it? What would a red? What would red be like? I don't know. I've never sinful seen, apple. I was. I don't know. <laughs> I've never seen a red. Uh, I don't know. Cinnamon. I would guess. Least Probably. Um, but so he gets picked up by this preacher guy, and uh, he happens to be drinking alcohol behind the wheel. And Loomis does give him a little bit of a look, like, should I be riding with this guy? He's fucking drinking. But in the 80s, too, it was okay. Like, he just got pulled over and be like, don't do that again. You, know, <laughs> you, probably, shouldn't, you probably shouldn't be doing that. But uh, Here, I'll escort you home yeah. and make sure you don't hit anybody. Yeah, exactly. But Loomis then, you know, he's offered a drink and he fucking takes that. Like, he looks like a thirsty alcoholic in that sense. He's like, yeah, yeah. Yes. I thought you weren't going to offer me any. Uh, yeah. he, he was lo- looking at that bottle longingly like, ugh. Yeah, really. I mean, could go I mean at this point, that. Loomis obviously is asexual. He doesn't care about sex whatsoever. <laughs> but drinking, you know, that's the closest you get to him, like lustily looking at something. I mean, he doesn't even stare at the at the woman wearing the the uh, cops do it by the book nightgown. But a drink, definitely. I think he lusts after. I think he secretly hopes Michael can. <laughs> Is gonna wake up and do something that way. He's like back to Hanfield, you know. Yeah, he, he secretly likes it. <laughs> yeah, it gives him purpose. It's sort like, of, yeah, it's sort of like that. Yeah, where you have the the uh, villain slash cop dynamic, where the cop really doesn't ever want to capture the villain because then their purpose is over. You know, you have that in like Lupin. Yeah, Xenogada's main purpose is capture Lupin. Um, you know, so so yeah, I think you do have that in a way, like. If Halloween stopped coming, then what does Dr. Loomis do? He just dies a grumpy old man. No one has a funeral. Yeah. Um, he also points a gun at a young child. <laughs> it's deserved, though. I mean, it's deserved, and we might, we'll talk about that a little bit, but, you know, he's very, um, he's very skittish in this film. That's him really going, that's, so like Halloween 5 after the ending should just be him like... Kind of locked up, just like, okay, they locked him away. Yeah. I know. He deserves it. You know what, too? Because he's got to bear all the emotional burdens of everybody in this film franchise. In this film, we have another sheriff whose daughter gets murdered. And guess what? Doesn't even react to it. Doesn't even care. Yeah. I I do love how that happens. And at the end of the film, he just sits there in a chair. And he really acts like there's nothing happened to his daughter. I, I really feel like Dwight Little forgot. That that was his daughter that was murdered, and it was just like you know, act like your normal sheriff self. Just like yep, uh, gets home, honey. Ah, yeah. Aww. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, forgot about that one. Yeah, he really doesn't seem to care though. You're right. Loomis has to bear the burden. He's he's the one that sees all of the destruction <laughs> and has to live with it. So, what would you give uh, the Loomy Looney Loomis rating for uh, Halloween Four? I'll give him an eight and a half. He's up there. It's pretty high. Um, is this the highest one that we've given? I can't it's remember. By, it's by, at least for me, because I, I, I think Halloween 2, I only gave like a six. Yeah. We weren't, we weren't at death he had, he had He had moments. Yeah, you gave it a higher rating than yeah. I did. I think you gave it an eight. Yeah. I would say, because I feel like in the next one, he's going to be even, lo- the next two, he'll get even loonier. So. I'm, I'm going to give it a nine. Um... On the Looney Loomis scale, I—I I mean, I think it's pretty high. I—I I can't really remember five now, in like at least in what Loomis does. I do know, I do remember some scenes, and I think they're a lot low, lower key than what he does in four. But I guess we'll see. 
And we might, like we said, we might have to retrospectively go back and correct our Looney Loomis ratings as we watch the full series and, and figure out how crazy Loomis gets But throughout. those faces. Oh, yeah. Those, that's, why, that's why I picked the one face <laughs> that we used for the cover, ep- cover photo of this episode. Because, as looks I like said, organ- like, oh. it looks like he's taking a sharp shit. <laughs> and it looks like he's taking a shit. It's one of those, like, pleasure dumps you take. Like, when you take, like, oh, like, yeah. yeah it's like, like you get this. It's, it's spiky. I'm bleeding. But, <laughs> damn, it feels good to get it out. You used a head nice hemorrhoid wipe, yes. you know? Yeah. little yeah. witch hazel. that a burn. Mm, clear, clear the pain. Though. Yeah. But. All right. So, I guess moving on from Loomis. Um, this film really is supposed to center around Jamie, who is supposedly, uh, Lori's daughter, who, I mean, that's kind of news to us, because we, Lori's sort of sexless throughout Halloween 1 and 2. After, like I said, I just think that maybe it was Jimmy in the hospital, you know, (laughs) they were getting it on while she was laying in bed. We didn't see it. It was like... They were getting it on. You mean he was just, you know... Laying on top of her. Yeah, Yeah. while she was passed out. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. No one was at that hospital, so Um, no one would have known. That's right. But we have... So we have Jamie, and you have Rachel, who are like the main characters of this arc, this four and five arc. Um, Jamie tends to be fairly annoying in this film. Got a big forehead. She does, unfortunately. So Danielle Harris, I guess grew into her forehead a little bit and i don't want to disparage an eight-year-old or however old jamie or uh, daniel harris was in this film but yeah she does have a big forehead in this. go right ahead no it's okay you said you said it before she's a bitch so you know as so i've heard but. that's yeah so there, that's what you get but i we did talk about this a little bit too and it's it is a little um weird to see danielle harris in this film at eight years old and then, you know, you have Rob Zombie go- coming in and doing a Halloween remake and saying, you-, you know who we need to have show her boobs in this film? The girl who played the eight-year-old in in Halloween 4. Like, people are clamoring to see that <laughs> little girl's, how she's grown. <laughs> it isn't very, it's very awkward. And it's sort of like, I mean, it's not like everybody's a little girl at one point and then turns into a woman. But... It is weird to go back and watch Halloween 4 and then just think about the mindset of like Rob Zombie being like, yeah, ever since I saw Halloween 4, I've really wondered what Danielle Harris would look like with her top off in a movie of mine. It's a little weird. I'm not saying, I'm not saying, you know. It's not like she had to film uh, track after this too. It's like just to, uh, see, to see her like on Yeah, yeah just like with, lower uh, budget uh, stuff. With Alexa Vega, you can see what Robert Rodriguez was <laughs> thinking. Like every progressive film, like... Oh, uh, she's just a kid, and yep, she's a teenager. Whoa, yeah, then, whoa, yeah. Oh, oh. Well, uh, I no. just think uh, it's it's just weird, but I'll go with it. Um, I so the other the other uh, person that, like I said, Rachel is Jamie's stepsister, played by Ellie Cornell, and um, foster sister. Yeah, I guess so. Foster sister, if you want to be. Uh, very specific exactly. exact yeah um and also rachel is fairly fucking annoying as well very 80s like lady like with the hair and the look and they were and definitely like, going for the whole like rachel sort of the again sort of like um jamie lee curtis's laurie in the sexless hasn't really blossomed into herself as a teenager yet 
um, very unsure of herself. Even like at the beginning of the film, when we when we first meet Rachel, she's eating a bagel and cream cheese. Doesn't want to be an oinker, <laughs> so she's not very self confident. You, you know, you, you know that um, they were like, "That's gonna be a phrase that's gonna catch on after this." Like, oh, you look like an oinker. You know, don't recall that ever being a big thing. But, uh, yeah. yeah, apparently. Apparently they thought Which it was Which is gonna be- hilarious. I don't want to be an... That can't be the only thing you eat. Mom, I'm on a diet. Don't want to look like an oinker. Give me the Thomas bagel and cream cheese, please. And the whole milk. Yeah, bagel and cream cheese, not a good... <laughs> not a good pick for a breakfast if you were really looking to lose weight. A lot of carbs in that. <laughs> but, uh... You know, yeah. not, not like a nice fruit salad or right, like right. oatmeal and yogurt. Yeah, no. oatmeal would be a great pick. Yeah, it's like... You get your grains, you get your protein. Makes you poop. Yep. It's a great pick. She, we should have been uh, Rachel's diet coach. <laughs> um, it was the 90s. She would have been like, I don't want to be an winker. Atkins, bacon, you know, just like eat all the meats for breakfast. Bacon, sauce, <laughs> steak, eggs. But what they do with Rachel in this film is that they make her into sort of like the frumpy girl. You know, she's wearing a formless sweater. To be fair, though, her friend is also wearing... Sure. And then you find out there's hidden treasures underneath. <laughs> no, yeah, but I'm saying, like, mo- like Rachel's entire wardrobe is, like, sort of a frumpy sweater, sort of ill-fitting jeans. Yeah. They really do not flatter her form. <laughs> um, and, so, like, they're really going for that frumpy final girl look, so they want her to be sort of... Uh, sex, sexless. It's weird too, cause they like they're like innocent. They like fit, but then like around the waist, they're like baggy as all hell. Yeah, cause that one scene like, after she like fell off the roof, you can see like her fucking like side of her jeans like sticking out <laughs> by like ten feet. Like, yeah, yeah. I I almost you know I don't think that was by design. I think for the budget of this film, like here here's your jeans. Like this is what you get. <laughs> we found these at a Goodwill. <laughs> A forty uh, year old man was wearing them previously. And... I believe Tom Atkins was wearing these um, <laughs> yeah. one night after a bender, and um, yep, it's got a little uh, beer stain on him. But uh, you know, you'll be fine. You'll be but fine. so yeah, I mean, and compare that to uh, the the girl Kelly, who is sort of like Rachel's rival in love because and also friend. Yeah. Uh, kind of friend, I guess, right? I mean, they're yeah, sort of... They're, sort, friend, I mean, but they, then they're, they're sour friendly toward, together. But they're sour after yeah. find out that, you know... But, like, comparing Kelly and Rachel, you, she's just... Do- Rachel's doomed to failure. Because Brady is one of those guys who... Has that mullet. I mean... He's got the mullet that tells you he's a cheater. Yeah, basically. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Yeah. He has close-together eyebrows and a mullet. And I think he has double earrings. Does he have it? Does he have a two ears ears pierced? Yeah, I didn't. I, I'm not said, sure. But... I'm not sure. But anyways, you can you you know the film is very clear early on. It's like when when he Brady and Rachel meet, and Rachel's like, I can't I can't go to the Halloween party with you tonight. I gotta I gotta take my my foster sister uh, trick or treating. And he's like, I'm a little I'm a little pissed. <laughs> You're a little pissed that she has a chore that she has to do, an errand that she can't get out of. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's very clear early on that he's just going to be like jumping on whatever vag is next available. <laughs> and that happens to be Kelly, who does have some mighty memories. <laughs> That's something that they, you know, this film is 
in a lot of ways like a TV movie because there's not that not much swearing, there's not much nudity. Um and really I would say the that <laughs> the nudity is more like a PG-13 nudity in that sense now because it's sort of like the you see the top off, you see the breasticles uh, coming out, and then you see him from her from her backside, where you can see like the outline of it, but no nipple, because the nipple's really what gets you. Which doesn't make sense. The dip, like the gives you a hard time with the ratings, right? I know, what doesn't that, that, that never made sense to me. Yeah, I guess. Grant, you don't make the I mean, cultural Grant, rules. I was like, Grant, it's just like you know Japanese porn too. Like, yeah, go right ahead, but you know, don't show the penetration. Well, no, they show or the dick or the, the, the dick and badger yeah. censored out. So you can't, just, can't like, see that. Um, yeah, so but like, I wonder what they're doing, you know. So, I mean, like this film does have that TV movie aspect where they've edited really they've edited out most of the things that would be offensive. And so that means also that this R rated movie is sort of doesn't have the entertainment value that some of the other Halloween films do have. Um, and so I, I also think that Rachel just is very annoying as a as a protagonist. She's not very good at being a final girl. Um, throughout much of the film, like as we played in our opening clip, uh, she doesn't understand that metal gets hot when Brady shoots off the door hinge and doorknob on a door. Well, he, he, didn't get, he didn't get. He didn't get. I don't. Yeah, the, the whole that whole scene is very strange to me. The whole writing of it is very very odd because it's like first of all who shoots off a door and then tries like there's a giant hole in the door why are you trying to touch the metal part especially of the if door? you shot with a shotgun yeah. you know it's not gonna just blow a lock yeah. why are lock, you tra- it's gonna blow a hole through the yeah why are you trying to touch the metal on the door just stick your hand through the door but anyway but yeah and then she yells out what does that mean <laughs> What Damn you, it, it's metal. What, what do you mean, what does it mean? It's, well, it's literally a statement. It's fucking metal. Well, unlike Lori, she hasn't done well in school. Apparently remember, she hasn't taken chemistry. Because remember, no one likes, the boys don't like Lori because she's too smart. It's the 70s, can't have a smart woman. That's right. Yeah. Threatening, the, you know, threatening our fragile man ego. So Rachel is sort of the, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't say the opposite, but she's... The dullard? Yeah, she's toned down a bit. Toned down a bit. Um, so, what do you think about the plotting of Howling 4 for this film? It's... <laughs> yeah? It's, Not much going on, it's, right? It's dull, very slow-paced. Like I said but in the intro, it's an hour and a half long. This movie feels like it's two and a half hours long. Yeah, I'm, There were moments where you saw I was looking at my fucking phone yeah. instead. Of, I was like... Come on. It, it is really surprising how slowly paced it is because, like, kills happen. They, I mean, it does show some. But for the most part, this film is a lot of, like, just it, playing hide-and-seek with Michael. Well, not like that. In that case, it's more like the first Halloween because you get that first, like, kill with, like, the mechanic. Yeah. And then it's, like, 45 minutes to get the series of kills. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so. And, and a lot of it is just, like, Loomis riding around with the sheriff. Or, or whoever. Or Jamie experiencing bullying for the first time at school. Or, uh, and basically, then that's it, really. And then, and which then, again, it was just funny, too, because they make fun of her, like, like, yeah, you're, you're related to the boogeyman, the boogeyman. It was like, if I was make those kids, you're missing a prime opportunity to make fun of her forehead scar. 
That's what you want to do. You want to scar them for life by making fun of their physical features that they cannot change. Yeah. Bullying 101. Come on. Get your shit together. And you know what's fucking stupid, too? Later on, when she is to go... Because they made fun of her because she won't go trick-or-treating because Michael Myers is related to her and, you know, being the boogeyman. So when she's trick-or-treating, she runs into them. They're like, wow, neat costume. Want to go to the house with us? Yeah. You know, instead of her, like, pointing out to Rachel, like, these are the assholes that made fun of me. Maybe it's maybe they're not the same ones. Maybe that Frankenstein mask is just very popular this year. That kid looked like the same. It does, same, though, yeah. yeah. Either that or they just didn't bother to cast anyone else, and they, were, they weren't really trying to make it look like the same kids that bullied her, but... Which, prime opportunity missed on this film. Shame on for not having Silver Shamrock mask. It would have been really cool. I think they that were would... trying to distance themselves from... Halloween three as much as oh possible. Oh my god! No, that no, was, I know. I would have been a great it, like little. It, it would have been great because tied do, in like. I mean, they do have like subtle knots to other films in here. Um, you know, there's there's some pretty cool masks in here. And the other thing that is really disappointing about this is that there are very cool masks at this discount store, Vincent's Discount Store. For one thing, like what the fuck is a discount? St- like I wouldn't go to Dollar General to go buy <laughs> a really awesome Halloween mask, but apparently Vincent's Discount Store. Has the best masks in the area. Because they, they drove all the way out to San Francisco five years ago and got themselves some <laughs> silver, the shamrock silver shamrock before, ones. before they mysteriously went out of business. And yeah. we don't know what happened to kind old Irish shamrock, but, you know, he's gone, the company's folded. and But the thing about this is that Dwight Little does spend, like, a lengthy period of time showing us that, yeah, Vincent's discount store does have some pretty cool masks. There's one, you know, they obviously have some Nightmare on Elm Street influence stuff. Um, there's a mask that sort of looks like Nightbreed, even though Nightbreed wouldn't have been around at this time. It's sort of a similar thing to be influenced by Clive Barker. Um, and then a couple other masks, like a skull with snakes coming out of it, um, which could be a, that could almost be a reference to Halloween three, but I don't think it's intentional, you know, with the snakes coming out of a skull, but I don't think it's intentional because it's not, it's obviously not the same type of mask, but so it does have a lot of cool masks. And then there's the Michael Myers mask, which is technically like a Captain Kirk style mask, but it's a very shoddy replica of one. And I think it looks particularly bad, especially when you compare all the other masks that look really great. It looks like face plaster that was put on Robin Williams and Mrs. Doubtfire <laughs> when they're making like, you know, like his... You know, Hello! Yeah, it's like... Yeah. <laughs> it's like like every every time like, like they like show like Michael like stalking it's like <laughs> yeah or like or because the mask looks tarted and he looks tarted too because of it it's kind of like hi guys like he like he's fucking um, yeah I, what's that son of a bitch from the Goonies oh yeah I'm drawing a blank on the name here yeah I know what you mean yeah but, that's what he but, looks like but you're right like whenever whenever Michael does pop up he does look like um. I don't know, just like some guy who's been caught by surprise in like oh, a face mask. I'm like, like oh, oh, okay. It's just not very uh, scary, and I would be real, like, really surprised if in even in 1988, people in theaters were like actually scared by Michael Myers appearing in different areas. Like, it's just, it almost looks like they really spent no time whatsoever on making Michael's mask. What's so hard about getting the fucking mask from the other two films? I mean. There's gotta be in a warehouse somewhere. I, there's a, there's a whole lot of history behind the masks. Like there has been a lot written about 
each of the masks and how they, they got like the mask for Halloween one, how they, how they did the mask for Halloween two. And there's a whole story behind Halloween four. And I guess the story is actually very convoluted. Like no one has an actual answer for what happened with this mask. Because no one wants to own up. (laughs) I I think, yeah, I think like, I I guess, you know, my friend who I write with uh, on coltsploitation.com, Michael says he's grown to like this mask from Halloween four. Um, because he, he likes the, um, the actual, it was the last time they used the Captain Kirk style mask for this. Um, but I still got to say after watching Halloween four, it's just very comical, especially when you see Michael in his mask, hanging on to the pickup truck with one arm, with another hand holding a knife while they're going down the road at 60 miles an hour and Rachel swerving in the truck. Still hanging on, but he and he looks super ridiculous in that that whole scenario with that mask on. So I think like and it's even worse. The mask is even worse when in dark scenes because the white stark contrast of the mask is supposed to be startling because you have this very dark room and then all of a sudden the white mask pops out of nowhere. In Halloween one and two, that that sort of context works very well. The juxtaposition between light and dark in Halloween four, it looks ridiculous because the mask is just like geisha paint or something like that <laughs> instead of uh instead of an actually, you know, effective mask. Yeah, that'd be great. If someone took uh, the scenes where he shows up and adds like traditional, like kabuki plate music, like, like, yo, yeah, that would be funny. It's just, I just, I see what they're going for here because I think they were, they were trying to show, okay, Michael just grabbed a mask, like a cheap mask from the discount store, but it doesn't really work that well because all of the other masks were fucking awesome. So why did Michael have to pick the most generic one? I actually think that the bandage around Michael looks even, looks better than the mask. If they had just stuck with the bandage, even though it wouldn't really scream Halloween. It still looked pretty bad. I think the bandage would have been better. It would have, but it still looked bad. And even if you look at the poster artwork for Halloween 4, like I have up right now, (laughs) the mask looks better. The mask looks better in the poster artwork than it actually does. A million times. It actually looks like the mask. Right. I think part of it too is that George Wilbur in this film isn't really great at articulating Michael. He doesn't get the movements right. And I, it doesn't help that his mask both looks stupid and it all also often looks like it's like coming off. Like it's, it's, it's going to fall off at any moment. So I will give the mask one uh, bit of credit. At least it does project a good amount of soullessness. True. Which, at this point, we can assume yeah. that Michael doesn't have a soul, especially from the ending. Right. Yeah, yeah. it is It is bland in a way that's like... Yeah, it's more the, like the blank expression from the eyes, yeah. the blackness that it kind of protrudes, makes it seem soulless. But, I mean, like, that that's literally the only positive I'm going to gather from that chintzy, you know, terrible mask. The other thing that I think is pretty ballsy about the kids in town is that they've all bought the Michael Myers mask and they wear it around a sheriff and a fucking crazy guy, Loomis, and surround them as though they're Michael Myers. That's pretty ballsy. It's ballsy that a store would sell it. That's true too. Like, what's the meta here? 
Was that really just a Captain Kirk mask? And, you know, it's technically like who who would after 10 years be like, you know what? Let's sell this mask of a serial murderer in Haddonfield. Only got that one boy killed. Remember that famous trial? <laughs> yeah, seriously. I, it is ballsy. I, I'll give it that. Um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about is the uh, mo- lynch mob that <laughs> forms in Haddonfield after uh, they, they they find out that something's going down. And Loomis is aroused by it. That's another Looney, Loomis. Because the sheriff's like, damn it, you just started a lynch mob. He's like, good! You don't have a police force. I got some rope right here. Let's go. Let's go, you know. The thing about the the 80s was that they seemed to... Lot of, no. Yeah, they seemed to feel that like there was just hicks hanging out in bars just waiting to form a lynch mob. Well, I mean, it's been a while since the civil rights movement, so they're probably just itching like... I can mm. think of three movies that have it right off the top of my head. We named them. Howling 4, Silver Bullet, and then you mentioned My Bloody Valentine. They all have lynch mobs that are sort of just waiting around with shotguns in their in their their trucks just like hoping for some news that something's well, going down. Well, if you listen to the people who talk about like, you know, uh, guns rights, um about like, you know, when they bring up school shootings like, well, back in my day, we used to have shotguns and rifles in our in our, you know, beds, you know, in our trucks on the racks ready to go and we take them into the lot. So this was just a common occurrence, don't you know? I've never experienced that before, but uh, it must have been a scary time in the 80s when, you know, something was happening and you could just mob up and go to town. Start a posse. Yeah. It's, it's easy as in Red Dead. Just hit the select button and create a posse. One of my favorite things about this posse, though, is that they seem all, you know, calm and collected. They go out. They accidentally shoot some guy in the bushes because they saw bushes <laughs> rustling and they're like, it must be Michael. <laughs> so they shoot a guy in the bushes and they're like, oh, shit. You know, we shot a guy. But then they're out roaming around and they come across the school, which is now the, the alarms going off in the school. And which is weird, too, when you think about it. Really. Like, why would it, there be, like, a really loud alarm in the school? Well, not only that, that but the fact outside. that, like, they get there and they're like, you know what? Maybe we should let the cops do it. Yeah. I think it was just because they're so chicken. They Like, it was okay when they were from afar shooting into a bush. You know, that's okay. But actually having to go into the school, the darkened school, where there might be a guy lurking wherever, like, that's a little bit too much, so they're going to let the police handle that one. Yeah, the posse. That's great. I wish we had a posse just roaming around. We do. I'd, f- I'd feel <laughs> much more secure. <laughs> Standing in the beds of trucks, tapping on the, you know, the top of the roof to... Make them go faster, you know. It also reminds us that back in those days, bartenders were your friends, man. <laughs> you know, you were... you were Cheers a, was big at the time. You were friends with the bartender. You just met up and the bartender might t- tell you to shut your goddamn mouth and you <laughs> shut your goddamn mouth. Some news on the telly. Yeah. You, you He's were, sitting there with his that dirty ass rag cleaning every month, you know. Yep. Clean. Which is great because they all have bottles. He's just sitting there, you know, cleaning those glasses. <laughs> It was it was still a time when you could walk into the bar and just be like, I'll take a beer. And they knew what you were talking about. They just gave you a beer. Because in that town, there was only one beer on tap, you <laughs> yep, know. That's it. And then, like in this town, we're here, Bush Town. This town, yep. you know, town over there, Coors Town. Go up north, there's Schlitz Town. We don't go up there that often. It is also funny, too, in these movies where they go in and they ask for a beer. And they got, you can see there's a tap. But nope, they're going to slide you a bottle. How'd you know I wanted a bottle? Maybe I wanted it on tap. 
Nice. I see you got nice frothy mugs over there. You know, nice, nice and cool. You know, you've been storing them in the, you know, your nice uh, igloo cooler over there to keep them cold, so you can keep the beer extra cold. I have always just wanted to go into a bar and just be like, I'll take a beer. <laughs> It'd be great because they'd be like, uh, yeah, like like when I was in San Diego, just be like beer. Go, go to a bar and just be like, I'll take a beer. They'd look at you fucking. Ridiculous. You know like, what? It, you know, if you did that stone though, you could probably get away with it because it's all the same shit. It's all take a beer. Yeah. Which one? Uh, pull that one. Yeah. No, that's great. I would want to do that. <laughs> um. What? One thing we haven't talked about is uh the music in this one because the score is a little bit different than Halloween Two for sure. It's it definitely doesn't take all of John Carpenter's music uh and just put it in Halloween Four. Um, they, they reuse the soundtrack, but they, they have sort of even more eighties did up with a lot more synthesizer, not adding, in, adding dr- like synth drums to it. Say not even in like the Halloween three, early eighties, like early, like earlier synth new wave style, but this is more like full blown, like pop. Yeah. I mean, it's Mannheim steamroller sort of yeah. like, like synth and synth drums. I think yeah. the biggest thing that you notice is the synth drums because Add it to the theme, like, because when they play, you know, start playing the Halloween theme, you're like, dun, 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 you know, in yeah. the background. It's a very, it's a very driving, like, synth line. But the, I think the, the one that's really weird and sits off for me is when the posse's actually going out in the truck and they're playing like a, like a marching theme of the Halloween theme. It's very straight because it's got like the snare rolls. It's like, <laughs> And it's like, that's like a weird addition to the Halloween soundtrack that I don't think I needed. Like a marching band version of the <laughs> Halloween 4 theme. Well, why not? We did see that scene where Loomis is trying to hitch that ride and we saw those fucking, you know, cheerleaders and like, you know. <laughs> yeah, and they kick up a dust storm with their, their convertible. They fucking... Hurry up, old man! I don't know they what they hit. They, it only showed them hitting like a dirt patch, but it apparently started up a dust cyclone. Straight out of, like, South Africa. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't love the I don't love the soundtrack in this one. I think it's okay, but it definitely doesn't have the... Cheesy. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, like, like everything else in Halloween 4. It's very cheesy. I think the biggest problem with Halloween 4, for sure, is that it's just boring. It's a very, like, tedious film to watch. Well, kind of segueing off of that. Let's yeah. talk about the kills. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Kills in this film... Are fucking boring. They're really not like on screen much. They're mainly off screen. There's no gore to be found, which again, that's that was fine in the first film because Carpenter knew how to manipulate shots and scenes to make you know the tenseness of it. Make it, it yeah. yeah. But there's no there's no tension in this film, so none of them come across as being tense or anything. So when Michael decides to shove you know that rifle up into uh, Tits McGee in their gut and you know. Just like Kelly, put her, yeah. you know, put her to the wall, like in Halloween one, where he you know does it with the knife. It's like that eh, looks stupid. Well, it's very quick too. It's like yeah. it's like seconds, and if you blink, you miss it. And then you have you know, I just think- and this film because of that, this film's also like stealing. Like we're taken from Friday the Thirteenth now. Now he's got super strength. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, like we talked about the truck scene where he's literally hanging onto the truck with one hand, <laughs> and uh. Apparently, somehow, he snuck under the bed of the truck, held on to the truck while they were driving, and then climbs up on the truck 
to kill everybody in the <laughs> truck. It doesn't, I mean, yeah, from here, you've really gone away from, like, this guy may be human, he may be driven by evil, you don't know, to really, like, supernatural strength, totally unstoppable, invincible, and there's really nothing you can do about it. And it's, I don't know, it, it doesn't add much to the film. And, and I think, like, especially with that, and especially because you don't have Michael on screen that much and the kills are not on screen, it's just very, I don't know, it's just tedious to watch. It's not, there's nothing that happens that's really fun. You like, don't get a lot of, derive a lot of fun out of this one. Like him killing Brady, like, by, like, crushing his, like, skull, that's, you know, that's been done before. Yeah. You know, then they do that in Halloween, too. He did that with somebody, kind of, yep. like, crushed, you know... Yeah. Um, the new one would be he ripped someone's throat, yeah. basically out. But that looked fucking terrible. Yeah, you know they all if they're shown on screen, they're very bland and not you know like gory or like you know gasping cringeworthy. I mean they're cringeworthy, but in the sense like ooh that looks chintzy as all hell. But yeah. they're 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 bad. They're, yeah, you know I think the thing too about Halloween Four is that it tries to draw so much from the original. You know, because that, that scene of him crashing through the window is sort mm-hmm. of like from the original film. Um, the end scene where Jamie actually dons her mask and kills her mother. He's she, oh, she's the new Michael. Yeah, she's the new Michael. And it's it's drawing so much from that, but at the same time, it makes you realize, like, well, this film is, like, not even anywhere near the league that Halloween is. So, it's sort of, I don't know, it, has a ba- it leaves a bad taste because of that. I feel like that. the feeling when they were writing this, it was not... The guy who wrote it was, like, probably drunk, and he's just like, what if we did this? Wouldn't that be fucking stupid? And they're like, yeah, you know what? That's a good idea. And he's like, no, no, that's, uh, no don't do that. It don't, you would know. be fucking stupid. <laughs> and they're like, don't, you know, don't do that. Because, kind of tie this into how you mentioned the ending. So the whole ending, at the ending, the way Michael gets destroyed this time, which is funny that Loomis even thinks this time it did the trick. Is the you know the state troopers and the you know whatever posse in Haddonfield show up and they just fucking go to town with shotguns and rifles on them and unloading into him and I put air quotes on that because for the most part it looks like they're missing the entire time you know and Michael's just kind of dancing around the bullets. Michael gets John Marston out there, falls into a grave, but before that happens, Jamie is standing next to him and touches him and all of a sudden like gets like a jolt like like something's been transferred to her. And come to find out, though the film doesn't specifically say it, it's like what I'm going to call, not the essence of Michael Myers, but whatever like demon that possessed Michael in this fucking franchise is now gone from his body to her. Right. So that's what this, you know, tying back to the whole little rant uh, Loomis went on about, and you can pronounce it because I can't, uh. Sawain. Sawain, yeah. Type thing. So And you know, and that that's sort of gonna get, you know, retrospectively eliminated once you get to Halloween five. Because it's the same sort of storyline except Jamie now doesn't speak and she's again targeted by Michael Myers. And so they kinda go back on that. They get rid of the whole Psych. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but that's what this film would lead you to believe. It's yeah, like, okay, exactly. So like, yeah, it's, so now it's got to be some kind of demonic thing, and if you follow the franchise, okay, so psychic trauma sort of thing. And I mean, I think if they were going to leave it at that, that I, I think it still would be stupid because you're right. 
Halloween, if in Halloween, Michael was shot six times and it didn't work, then what is the difference between him getting shot however many times in this He fucking explode, survived, you know, an exploding. A little explosion. Yeah. This time they sort of go like the Jason route where they shoot him into a grave. Sort of like in Friday the 13th where they, you know, they shoot him into, they, they put him in a grave and he's like, well, he's buried, so he'll never get out. And then we got Jason goes to hell, yeah. you know. I, um, yeah, I, I just, I felt before, like, I liked Halloween 4 more than I actually do. Because I watched it tonight, and I tended to not like it at all. Those faces Loomis makes, though, at the end, when great. no, no, like, he, like, he knew, like, a son of a bitch, he touched her, didn't he? Well, you know, like, he's, like, those, these past ten years, he's been traveling to, like, Stonehenge and all, like, the old Gaelic, you know, pagan sites, and, like, he's been doing a lot of research on his, like, you know, Gaelic mythology, so he's like, oh, no, 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 you know? I, I did feel like he, Loomis, or at least Donald Pleasance, was trying to one-up Tom Atkins, in this film because he you know in in Halloween 3 Tom Atkins does give a pretty excellent performance at the end yelling turn it off turn it off and now you have Donald Pleasance trying to one up that at the end of Halloween 4 with his own reactions and it's sort of like because we we did call it we said you know there's no Looney Loomis in Halloween 3 so there's got to be you know someone else (laughs) and was Tom Atkins and Donald Pleasance, I feel like, saw that, and he's like, you know what? I can't let Tom Atkins tarnish my Halloween legacy. I've got to go all in for this He's one. like, look, I'm just coming off Phenomena. I got to work with a chimp. Who's the real star here? That's right. Me. That's right. So he had to, He definitely had to showcase his own... Uh, acting range. Yeah, crazy, <laughs> crazy acting range. Um, but yeah, no, that that makes that ending great. It's just his his reaction. Yeah, I, I love it. But in comparison to H2O, I would say this film's better. Maybe but only slightly. Yeah. Maybe and, maybe a little. And the reason is because of Donald Pleasance. If you didn't have Donald Pleasance... And again, Donald Pleasance is a very fine and good actor. At this point in his career, he's uh, just doing it for fun. Kind of like how we see a lot of like classically trained Malcolm older actors. McDowell. You know, like Malcolm. Well, Malcolm McDowell's always just been. Yeah. He's he's like you know Donald Pleasance too, a terrific actor, but he'll act in anything. He doesn't care. You know. Yep. You know, with like James Earl Jones and Patrick Stewart, and Ian, they're like just constantly doing random shit. Why? Because they just love it. So like you know Donald Pleasance, though he never made anywhere near the money that these you know most of those guys did. He's doing it for the love of it, and you can tell he's hamming it up and not taking this. See, I can't imagine reading the script for Halloween Four as Donald Pleasance. And doing it if you didn't like it. If you didn't, I mean, if you didn't love acting. Because can you imagine anybody else reading the script for Loomis for Halloween 4 and being like, yeah, that's something I would do. Unless you were really just, you know, not getting good acting jobs. A, a veteran actor probably who was in it for, like, good roles would never have taken a part like this. Because just, for, I mean, even on script, it sound, it's ridiculous. Halloween 2, he he survived a gigantic explosion. You don't bring it up in Halloween 4 at all. He just has a burn on his face. It just, that sort of thing, you have to do it for the love of acting or else. Uh, and probably a little bit of the money. Because again, yeah. I, I imagine Donald Pleasance wasn't, you know, it's not like, though as famed and acclaimed of an actor as he is, he's yeah. more of a, always been more of a character actor, so he's never, you know, gotten 
probably gigantic paychecks. But, you know, it's probably a mixture of the two. But he's the fun part of this film. And this very sterile and bland, tedious... Again, we described Halloween 3 as being very TV movie-esque. This is even worse. This is basically like... If Hallmark had its own Halloween, you know, film series, this is the film they put on. Um, but Donald Pleasance in it is what makes it entertaining. Because H2O, though it's a better made movie on a better budget and had a fucking screenwriter who should have fucking known better than Kevin Williamson, is boring, sterile, pedantic, and has no redeeming qualities about it. Yeah. Outside of the ending, you know, Lori chopping, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis chopping Michael Myers' head off, allegedly. Um, That's it. Other than that, that film is such a drag. That film's only an hour and 20 minutes long, and that thing feels like it's fucking forever. Yeah. This at least had, like, if this didn't have Donald Pleasance, it'd be just right in the bottom of the barrel with them. But Donald Pleasance is this film's saving grace. Yep. At least that's my opinion. You can expatiate now. No, if you I mean, want because... I, mean I, I agree. I think it's probably a, just a little bit better than H2O. Um, and I just have a grudge against H2O because it doesn't have that much Halloween in it whatsoever. Neither does this one, really. This one is they very. Had, hey, hey, they added pumpkins and leaves to Haddonfield. It's true, they did. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it looks more fallish now. But yeah, I think they, they skimped on the Halloween for the most part in this one, too. Um, all right, so why don't we just go right into the rating here? Um, out of, oh, I got I didn't think of one. I should have thought of one <laughs> while we were talking about this, while you're, while you were expositing, but I, I really didn't. A little mini rant. Um, yeah. So out of 10, out of 10 cops do it by the book t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, there you go. What would you give Halloween for the return of Michael Myers? I'll give it a five. Um, cause I'm pretty certain I gave H204. So I'll give this a five and it's b- because of Donald Pleasance. Um, and that terrible mask. <laughs> um, it's just, it's a very complicated plot that's, has no plot. Like it's complicated, but at the same time there's nothing there. So it's got that dichotomy going on. Um, it's only an hour and a half. Feels like it's you're watching a season of a television show. It's terribly paced. Acting all around is absolutely god awful. The soundtrack is very meh. Um, the kills are probably the worst, definitely the worst in the series so far by a mile. Um, it's just a, it's a very boring film. Like I said, if it wasn't for Donald Pleasance being gleefully overacting in this film, it would be in the tier of H2O. Yeah, I'd probably give it a 5.5. Um, it, I think it's it's one of my least favorites, and I, I'm i saying that with thinking that I was going to like it more than I did. Uh, really, the mask is just terrible. Um, I think the overall plot is boring. Part of it is because they have to add in some posse that really doesn't make much of a difference throughout until the end of the film. Uh, and th- like everything that you follow is really just not that important to the film whatsoever. And you, like you said, the actual scenario is comp- complex, um, but it's not really explored in a way that makes it, you know, interesting or 
adds anything to the series whatsoever. It's more just a way to design a f- film and then actually two films around Michael Myers's niece, which is, is sort of just kind of fleetingly brought up. You see like pictures of people, like you see pictures of Laurie. Uh, but it's of Abraham Lincoln yeah, and of Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> but uh, for the most part, like the whole niece aspect is kind of just not even brought up or explained. Um, so it's I one think of the, it's one of the worst aspects of Halloween too. the whole her being the daughter. I mean, yeah. The, I mean, the sister of yeah, Michael that they just should have dropped. And it's not up. really necessary. And then, you know, even like giving more family members isn't really I mean, the only the only reason they did that is because they needed a reason to have Michael come back to Haddonfield yet again, and you could just explain it all ways. Like this is a ritual for this guy. This is all, he's he's psychotic. He's a psychotic guy. This is what he does. It's a ritual. Um, but instead, they have to like explain it in convoluted, you know, patterns and things like that. Um, I think that Halloween Four should have been better than it is. Um, it does play out like a TV movie, and I think at least Halloween Five gets a little bit better where it gets rid of some of the TV movie aspects of Halloween 4 and replaces it with more violence, more boobs, etc. So I think we'll see, we'll have a little bit more fun with Halloween 5, even though, again, it's still not a very good film. Uh, I think it's better than Halloween 4. So, All right, so that's it. Halloween 4, the return of Michael Myers. Return being not nah, so good. Now I remember why I haven't watched it in like yeah, 10 years. Yeah, 10 years. Yeah. Um, by the way, what was up with the opening credits too oh yeah the random weird. like farm field shots yeah of, it, just like it's like it's surprising oh, Halloween, Halloween for the return of Michael Myers here's here's a scarecrow on a farm field in a shed Ooh, like even like yeah. even Halloween 3 which had nothing to do with Michael Myers at least opened with the iconic mm. pumpkin zoom and stuff like that in, in its own way it, it kind of did it in its own way but it still and that also makes sense too because they had the jack o' lantern mask yeah, yeah. but and here's just like you here, would think they like, just had like a farm field like all right well we rented this out because we thought we we're gonna be doing some shooting here i guess now so we gotta play you know put it somewhere in the film let's just make that our opening credits just like ooh, spooky farm field yeah and i think like that again right away shows like the lack of creativity here like they couldn't figure out a way to do the jack o' lantern in a manner that would represent the series, but not be the exact same zoom in as, you know, Halloween 1 and 2. So, not good. Not good for the credits. It's not a good, it is, and it's, it's just not a good sign for what's to come. Alright, so uh, we are going to be back next week with Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. With those, no, 6 is the curse, never mind. Yeah. Uh, Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, and um, we're going to be taking a look at that one. I think that, like I said, I think that one I like more than 4, so we'll see. I think we'll have fun with that. Um, You can tune in to us and listen to all the previous season of Halloween episodes. Uh, We're on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, pretty much any other uh, podcast app that you might use. Uh, you can leave us a nice review and rating on there. It helps us get noticed. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. We're on Twitter at blood and black rum. Uh, we have an email address at Podcast at gmail.com where you can let us know what you think of the show, give us any criticisms and critiques. And, uh, you know, we just appreciate you listening to us. And you can join our um, Podbean 
Patreon page and donate to us. If you donate at least a dollar a month, you do get the episodes a day early. Uh, and then, otherwise, if you don't donate, our episodes always air on Friday. So thanks for listening. Uh, we will catch you next week for the next episode in the season of Halloween, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Take care. <laughs>